we're starting a new series. And my wife was in the other room when Julie was texting me last night on what to call this series. And so she couldn't hear me yell at her. And so then I just got to the point, let's just go with it. But I would like to call this series Just Reading. And I know reading is not a proper word, so we were going to ask Heather how you could say that. Dan thought it's I-N and then an apostrophe at the end or something like that. Heather's nodding yet. We'll see. Okay. For years, every so many years, I read through the Bible. And you know, that's probably a good thing that pastor does that, but read through the whole Bible. And every time I do, I mark, I don't read for my devotional time, I don't read it to get sermonitis, but I also mark if something's interesting to me that would be a good sermon to do, or something that's kind of unique that we don't normally talk about that's in the Bible. And so what's interesting, if you ever want to know where the pastor gets his sermon ideas, obviously from the Holy Spirit, I ask the question, God, where is this body of believers at? And what do they need from your word at this time? Well, I want to say something cool about you all. One, none of us are perfect, but you're a really good church. And if I have the freedom now to just to do some sermon series from just things I've read, you guys are doing pretty good. It's not because of COVID we haven't met that much. Okay, you know. But so I've wanted to do something like this for years. So it's kind of like, hey, this stuck out to me in my reading. Let's do a sermon. So this is going to be interesting. Now, if I stop and say we got to do something on this, that means you're in trouble and you did something <laughs> wrong. Okay? But, uh, no, just teasing. but here's the deal. This thing, the readings I'm doing, I start back in January. I have a section of Old Testament I read, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. So depending on what God lays on my heart, what I do is I go back and look at the whole week of reading and what I start, and the top thing I'm interested in, that's when I'm doing a sermon and so this is week one. Week one should have been last week, but you know what happened. And, and uh, I know Dan is coveting right now, but I have been accepted into a, a rural internet program called Starlink, because where I'm at, there is no internet. That's why I don't preach to you anymore from my house, because it frustrates me when I'm doing my sermon when it cuts out. But hopefully we won't have that issue. But that's why you haven't had anything on Wednesday nights or Sunday nights, is because we've all been home, snowed in, and I don't want to frustrate. But hopefully that'll change if that ever happens again. So we're starting this new series, Just Reading. And um, I entitled this sermon, The Walk. And I want, you to, I want you to put in perspective, yes, this is about Noah. But there's a section about Noah that stuck out to me. It's verse 9 of chapter 6. This would be the focal verse. But the whole section is verse, verses 5 through 9 we're going to look at. And, you know, there's a lot of survival shows. Uh, there's real survival shows, and then there's the zombie shows where you have to survive. So let's go to the real survival shows first. Maybe you're weird like your pastor, but you're probably not. But I have a list in my mind, if I was on a deserted island, on things that I would want to have. I would want to be able to grow potatoes. Because you can do about anything with potatoes. Okay, you really can. Um, I would want duct tape. And I would want my Bible, you know, a knife would be good, you know. Um, but another interesting thing about survival, I've done some police training, and yes, I'm not a fighter. But what's interesting, one, one of the trainings that we did was with this guy that he watches, uh, he's a police officer, he's SWAT, and he watches different police handling different fights, uh, fights that they're in and how they handle it. And, 
he was talking about the fact that most men, they don't want to fight dirty. In other words, there's areas that men won't hit other men because that's not manly. But I got this from a SWAT guy. Anything goes when you're fighting, whether you're a man or a woman, you hit anywhere. And what's interesting is if something happened, I'm going to use anything as a weapon, you know, that I need to, you know. Um, yeah, your pastor's weird that way. But let's talk about survival. In life, we do that a lot. This is going on in my life, so I'm flailing and I'm grabbing anything. But what's different is God has given you the tools to deal with anything in life. And the main tool is the book that you're looking at, God's love letter to you, the Bible. Because what we're seeing here in verse 9, and this just stuck out to me. This verse out of that week's reading was like, man, this is where we're at. This is what we need. Uh, Genesis 6, 9. But before I read it, I want you to understand, we're in chapter 6 of the whole Bible. If you are physically holding your Bible... It's like not even that much, and you got this much more Bible to go. Man screwed up in chapter 3. Think about it. Chapter 1, God created. They're stuck in a garden. They're, they're placed in a beautiful garden where they want for nothing. He tells them two things not to do. He gives them free will. See, we're born into sin. We have a sin nature that we have to fight, but Adam didn't and Christ didn't, so they, they weren't tempted with that sin nature. Nobody teaches your children to sin. And they teach them to sin better, but it's amazing how a little baby will learn to disobey on their own. That's the sin nature. So once you put in perspective the background, we're just in chapter 6 of the whole Bible, Chapter 1, they create. 2 is kind of a rendition of that. 3, they choose the wrong way, and it's going downhill, and God wants to destroy everything by chapter 6. Not good. So it's pretty bad. Look at verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. And Noah was, righteous, was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. Amen. Six chapters into the creation of the world, you're dealing with the destruction of the world, and you're dealing with somebody that has dealt with what you're dealing with. How do I live right in a wrong world? And we're going to, the, the way you do this, your action step is walk with God. Walk with God. And guess what? The word that spells out the point is walk. And your first point is this. The key to walking in life is to walk with God. Who are you walking with? Amen. Are you walking without God? Or are you walking with God? And if you're walking, if you're not walking with God, you may say, well, i got my family. I've got my job. I've got my church. And that's good to walk with the church. God designed the church for us to walk with God together. But sometimes people put religion over a relationship with God. And so the first thing, your walk is your journey through life. Are you walking with God or are you walking without God? 
And so we see here in chapter 6, verses 5 through uh, 7, what happened. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You need to mark that verse down because the lie from the pit of hell that you're dealing with on TV, the internet, none of that's bad, neutral, is that man is basically good. You can add Jeremiah on there that talks about the heart is desperately wicked. But any time you are confronted with the fact, oh, people are just good, no, they're not. I'm not. You're not. Either the Bible is true or it's not. And look at verse 5. Mark that down. The next time you encounter something that causes you to think people are good. The Lord sees the wickedness of man and it was great on the earth. Well, it was great at that time. Well, guess what? It's not any less. And notice this. Well, some people are bad. Notice what he said. Every intention... This is why you need to guard your motives for anything. This is why you need accountability. When I'm dealing with anything, I have several people that I contact to, to make sure the next steps I'm going to take are going to be godly. And that's not because I'm a pastor. That should be for everybody here. You need to be in God's Word, and you have people that you're accountable to that are going to tell you the truth. Not what you want to hear. Why? Because the intention of their thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Six, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it would grieve him to his heart. Think about that. Have you ever really been grieved? That, I mean, it goes to your core and you can't get over it. God enjoyed the fact that he created us and then the fact that man chose against God when he took care of him, a lot of you somewhere, somehow have, have maybe a child or maybe somebody that you have loved and you've tried to help them and you've tried to take care of them and they've gone the other way and you're grieving. You're grieving that. God regretted. He was sorry. Go back to verse 5. The wickedness he saw. He saw the intention. He said that, that their intention was wholeheartedly against him, that it was evil, that it was wicked. And so he regretted, he was sorry, and he grieved, he was displeased sorely to his core. God was deeply sorry he had made man. Put it in perspective. We're only on chapter 6. You got this much more Bible, and that's grace, and that's Jesus on the way. Why? Because of their choices. And so he decided, look at verse 7. The Lord said, I will blot out man who I created from the face of the land, man and animal and creepy things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Oh, what a mean God. Well, we're going to see that he's not. And we're going to see that he is a gracious God. And we're going to see how if Noah can walk right in a, in a wrong generation... We can, and definitely not our own. He wanted to blot out all creation because he was sorry. He wanted to repent from making man. Think about that. I made this thing. Think about, it's kind of interesting to me, Nobel. The Nobel Peace Prize. Nobel 
One of the reasons they started that peace prize is Nobel, and I, I could be wrong, you'll Google it, somebody will. Nobel created dynamite. And dynamite on its own it can be a good thing depending on what you're doing, but most of dynamite or gunpowder was used in weapons and a lot of people died. And I don't know the whole history of that, go to Paul Harvey or whatever, but the thing about it is, it's probably from that to make amends to feel sorry for what he did. We now have the Nobel Peace Prize, which awards people that are trying to make uh, peace in our world. But Jesus, I mean, uh, God here, both are God, obviously. He was willing, he felt so bad about creating man, he wanted to repent. I should never have done that. I want to be really clear. God loves you. God sent his son for you. God ransomed, ransomed his son for you, so he loves us. But he also grieves. He also grieves when we choose to go with the intentions of our heart. Your heart is evil. Without God, period. So, your next film. We need to walk with God because all will come to an end. Just a few weeks ago, we talked about the fact of, uh, of Lazarus and the rich man and the theology of hell coming from the very mouth of Jesus. And so this is from God himself. We know that it's all going to come to an end. And we can go to Galatians and we can go to First uh, or Second Peter and where it's mentioned about the days of Noah. And it talks about the days of Noah that they were walking around saying, I'm going to buy this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to live forever, the personal fable, and this is never going to come to an end. And then one of the first things I preached about when COVID hit was the fact that Jesus said things like we're dealing with were going to happen even more as we see the day approaching. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but the more you realize that this is not all there is and you need to live for eternity, the better off and more peace you'll have. So when would it end? Noah was between 506 years old when he gets this challenge and charge for the ark. Well, Pastor, how can they be that old? If you really want to go there with me, I'll go there with you. But there's a really good book called The Genesis Flood, and we need to understand that people were healthier, the atmosphere was better, and the fact that people did live longer. People are just now, I, I saw statistics, like my grandson, get to, get to push him in, into the equation today, but like children my grandson's age and beyond, they are looking towards them living 100 plus. Now we know according to the Bible, nobody's going to live past 120. We see this here in Noah, that, man said, that God said man is so evil that their, their days are going to be not beyond 120. According to the Bible. But I want you to understand, the earth was healthier, people were healthier, and so I believe he literally was 600 years old. But he was 500 when God came to him. And so this is why we know for 100 years, some of you have been around that long, okay, <laughs> right? For 100 years, Noah is building a boat, an ark. Now, why 100 years? Why not? I want you to understand this. You really need to understand this. There had never been rain on the earth. Well, Pastor, how in the world is that? Well, let's talk about that for a minute. You go back to Genesis. The atmosphere was thicker then. And then also water would come up from the ground. And so now you have Noah. He's building this giant ark, which is the size of a city block. 
um, huge, several levels, and he's built it for a hundred years, and every day, the joke is, on your way to work, and on your way home from work, when you walk by Noah, you say, hey Noah, what you doing? I'm building an ark. Why are you building an ark? Because it rains. What's rain? Water from the sky. And they're like, crazy old Noah. Once you understand, part of you walking in a wrong world is people are like, why are those Christians going to church? Why do they open that book? Why, 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 why? Every day they're walking by your life. And your life is either a testimony for God or away from God. You think God wanted Noah to suffer for a hundred years? That's why he told him to build that? That ark was a daily reminder that it's going to come to an end. And it was a daily reminder. Guess what? Do you realize that that ark had enough room for more people? With the testimony of God's grace saying, your heart is wicked, but turn to me. You are testifying, Christians, every day of who you're walking with. And for a hundred years he's building that ark. For a hundred years he's testifying. You need to repent. And that's how he walked in that generation to show the patience and the grace of God. First Peter 3.20 says this, Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. You're here to testify that God wants people saved. But it is going to come to an end. And we as Christians need to wake up and realize people are either going to heaven or hell. They make that choice, but you need to let them know the situation. And you need to get over people making fun of you. I hate that Christians are labeled as either stupid, non-thinkers, or racist, or whatever. That is a bunch of junk, because if a person is truly following the Bible, God loves everyone. He hates sin. And I'm not mad. I'm mad at the devil, because he's a liar. And so here's the deal. Christians, you need to toughen up in the name of Jesus and take up your cross daily, and when they're walking by laughing at your testimony, who are they really laughing at? And Jesus said, if they persecute you, they persecuted me. Why so long? Because God desires that all be saved, 1 Timothy 2, 4, that none should perish. He wanted all to know him, that they could be saved. And so your next son, we need to walk with God because he is long-suffering. Oh, we love that. We love that long-suffering for ourselves. But when people tick us off, I'm done with you, you're dead to me. We may not say it. And again, you need to be patient, and you need to also create boundaries for people that are destructive in your life. Why is it that we want God's grace for ourselves, but when it's other people, we're like, I'm done with you, you're dead to me. Long-suffering. He wants all to be saved. That's why he hasn't come back clock is ticking. And I'm trying to scare us because of COVID, but we got some crazy stuff this year. And last year. Okay, 21 is like 20 bad redhead stepchild. I don't know what's going on there, you know? But here's the deal. God said all this stuff is happening. 
And even more as the day is approaching. And he says you need to start meeting believers even more as you see the day approaching. And look at how Satan is attacking the church. And reading some articles from World Magazine, or they do, you know, uh, uh, the radio broadcast on But the fact of how the church in general has been affected when God calls us to meet together, when God calls us to be strong together. And how, yes, there is a sifting of the true church and the fake church. I'm not saying because somebody's at home. There are people that need to be home right now for their health. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those that uh, don't miss it that much or God's people that much. So, hey, I, I changed my pattern. It's been a year. Really? Because then you're just obeying the Bible. Look at verse 8. And Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So what's so special about Noah? How can he walk in this difficult place? Uh, notice, Noah. The word Noah means rest. I don't think that's a coincidence. We've got to choose if we're going to rest in God by walking with God. Because you're not going to rest in anything else. A lot of us have been up nights trying to handle situations ourselves. In our mind. Over and over again. And boy, we don't get any sleep and we don't get any rest. Because we're not walking with God. We're not resting with God. You can go to John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Every time, Christian, Satan wants to put something right up in your face and wants you to look at that and you not rest in him. Your pastor included. We have to make that choice every day. So what's this favor? That means grace. I want you to understand, there was nothing special. Here's what I want to understand. Some people that I'm having to deal with, the people that God has put in, in, in my path and in my life that I am witnessing to, that I'm having conversations with, as I try to tell them, you are not going to find anybody that's perfect. You're not going to find anybody that is not sinful. What you need to know is, are they consistently doing that? Or when they sin, do they seek forgiveness? Are they more like God or less? You're not going to find perfection. I just shared the verse that all of our thoughts on our own, even with the Holy Spirit in us, even with God's grace, we struggle with the sin nature right now. We need grace. There's nobody. Mary, there was... The, the thing that was special about Mary is she was willing to obey God. The thing that was special about Noah is he was willing to obey God. And the further you read Noah's story, you see he fell too. But was that his life consistently? The lost will say, oh, you messed up once. You're a hypocrite. I'm done with that. There are so many hypocrites that don't have anything to do with God. I'm saying, are you a person that seeks forgiveness when you realize you're wrong? Are you no more for trying to follow God than not? Because that'll work. And that was Noah. Noah could walk with God. Here's, here's your last uh, feeling. Because he was kept by grace. How do I walk in this world? How do I, See, I don't even think God wants you to survive in this world. He wants you to thrive. Why? Why does he want you not to just survive? Because right now we're all thinking. I just got to get through this. I don't know what the toilet paper is, deal is this time, but you know what? I went to Sam's like three times to get 
toilet paper, our special blend, because we were getting ready to use our emergency blend, which is half ply. It's not even one ply, okay? You can see through it, and you can do rubbings or whatever. I didn't want to go to the emergency. And, and, my, and the person in charge of our toilet paper decided to pull for the emergency, and I thought, I'm going to take our special toilet paper and hide it from my wife and I, and they can deal with the emergency, okay? Whatever. But, but I went three times to get it at Sam's, and then one day it's there. And everybody's at Sam's, it was for the snowstorm, they're packed, and I thought, I'm smarter than all of you, because I got scanning go. I ain't standing that line, I scanned this thing, get out of here. And I tried to scan two packages. Yes, your pastor was nasty, his sinful heart. I wanted two big old packages of toilet paper, so I didn't have to go to town for two years, maybe. You know? And that stupid stand, stand and go, it stopped me at one. <laughs> come on, come on. I'll go in the door and out again and get it, all right? I didn't think of that, okay? <laughs> I had a point on that, but the fact of trying to do it yourself. Kept by grace. Kept by grace every day. I'm going to survive this way. Got to have enough toilet paper to survive. What about thriving? What would that look like if they see somebody walking through life peaceful, if they see somebody that when they're encountered with something, they say, yeah, that stinks, and I'm upset about it, but I'm working through it with God. Because, guys, if people are already lost, they're more lost now. They're lost. They were lost without Christ, but they're lost. I've never been through a pandemic. None of us have. I've never been through these storms and ice. And I got relatives in Texas. I was FaceTiming my grandnieces. And it's like, and we, we have, I'm Tio Chocolate. I'm Uncle Chocolate to them, okay? There's a long story behind that, okay? But anyway, so I'm FaceTiming it. And, and they live in a two-room duplex. And they got three little girls. And I'm talking to them, and they go, oh, we got nine people staying with us right now because we did, you know? Like, I'm glad I'm not with you, okay? <laughs> All right, that's the thing. But let's go back to people are trying to survive. But notice what they did. They brought in people. How are you walking through this? Walk with God. Because you're kept by grace. You're saved. Yes, it stinks. And yes, you've got to think about stuff. But all the devil wants you to do is focus on what's in front of your face and that you can't scan two packages of toilet paper. Instead of, hey, thank you, God, I got the first package and I got my emergency at home that the kids can use. Okay? All right? We're kept by grace. This is why we walk, with, uh, this is why you can walk with God anywhere. Do you realize, we just try to put it on the pastor, but how many times I got to walk into some junk I really don't want to walk into? And I have a prayer usually, God, you're going to have to. I'm going to go in here. I don't want to go in here. I don't want to do this. I'd rather be at home. But you want me to walk through this. And for your homework, go look at the 23rd Psalm today. Gay though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff they cover me. Going through death. Going through sickness. Or the fact that I sit down at a table in the presence of my enemies and I can eat and, and, and have peace when there are people that want to throw daggers at me. Why? 
I'm kept by grace, and I'm walking with God. Verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Not perfect. He did what was right. I'm tired of the excuse of it. I, I just struggle with sin. What do we do with the fact that he tells us to be sanctified, that he tells us to be holy, that he tells us to be set apart, that we are going to struggle with sin, but that doesn't mean you stop. That means you keep going. And the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to... How is a dying world that is lost going to see what's right if you're not living right? Righteous man, blameless. I want you to understand this blameless thing. I'm dealing with some people that, that believe diametrically different than me. And I've got a bigger target because they know I'm a pastor. And most pastors, they'll be like, you're a pastor, I'm done with you. And I'm not bragging at all because it's not anything about me. But the fact that if they think diametrically different than me, but yet they respect me and they'll still have a conversation about God with me. That's Christian walking blameless in a generation. What does that mean? That means you do what's right when no one's around. How many times have I heard lost people that act better than Christians have a story about a pastor, a deacon, a church member that did them wrong? Now, a lot of that, that's them. But some of that is like, wow, they made you a deacon? They made you a pastor, or they didn't hold you accountable to that, and so you make the rest of us look bad. One person I'm dealing with right now, I'm teaching them, look, when you make a blanket statement that you label all Christians like that, that's not me. So don't label me, because I don't label you. That's walking blameless. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the New Testament, he talks that even the lost speak well of you. He did what was right. He was blameless in the generation because he walked with God. Kept by grace, allowed Noah to be right with God, walked blameless with God in a generation. In his time, he walked because we are, we are saved by grace, we are kept by grace, and we are, allowed, we are uh, allowed like Noah to walk and obey in the grace of God. This is how we obey God because we're walking in grace. You don't obey God because I've got to stay saved. Or i got to be saved. No. You obey God because you love Him. Those of us that have been married long enough know that our spouses, or we ask our spouses to do some really weird things that we wouldn't do for anybody. But we do it because we love them. And they love us. And that's our relationship with God. Look at verse 10. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. This is where we mix up sometimes. I'm going to follow you, God, halfway. Let's go that route. What kind of testimony is that when we follow God halfway? And a lot of us, I want to go back to the scripture that I first shared with you, that we think that man is basically good. If you think that man is basically good, you're not believing the Bible, because I just read you scripture, verse 5, that directly says that man, every intention is hard. This is what your pastor starts with and builds his biblical worldview with all of us are sinners and evil without God. Period. And even when we're saved, we need accountability in the Holy Spirit to guard that. And so, Noah walked with God. He obeyed God. 
completely. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, James 1.22 says. Walking with God means obeying God all the way, completely. So I have a question for you today. You may have your survival thing. I, I, my, my, one of my sons was telling me about the fact that he's got these survival things set up for, you know, if, if, if it's snowing or if, if something happens that they're ready to go. And, and that, that's a good thing. You may have stuff like that. What about your thriving kit? A lot of you are just getting by right now. And let's, let's, I, part of me and my flesh doesn't blame me. Let's just get through this. That's not what God wants. A lot of you are saying, how can I be a Christian when they're aiming these darts at me and, and, and calling me this? You know what? Why is your pastor a long time ago had to learn 1 Corinthians 2, 2, for I decided to concentrate only on Christ Jesus and his death on the cross. And then uh, Isaiah uh, 26, uh, 3 says this, he will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on him. Every day, notice I said walk with God. So in your time of invitation, who are you walking with? Did you get off the trail? Walk with God. How are you seeing things in? Are you going into the personal fable, everybody's going to be okay and it's going to go on forever? Because guess what? It's going to end and it could end at any time and I'm not living in fear. But we need to have the urgency that either one day somebody's going to die or you're going to die or God's going to come back. And you need to have the urgency that we are on a timetable here and you need to have conversation. And how much are you pushing God's long suffering? Ah, one day. Today. Come receive Christ. Today. Deal with those things. And also take that long suffering and the people that you want to give up on, you may have to create boundaries. You keep praying, and you keep taking any opportunity, and you keep talking to it. And here's how you walk with God in this generation by grace. God, I messed up. Forgive me. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm going to take two steps forward, and there may be one step back, but guess what? I took one more step forward. Great. That's how you walk in this generation. As we stand on our feet, time invitation. Are you walking without God or are you walking with God? And if you need to make a decision today, you can talk to me. Or you need to just meet God where you're at. Whatever you need to do to be obedient to His will, you need to stop where you're walking, turn around, and walk with God. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to be here. I just pray you help us to be obedient. In your name, Jesus.